0: Grab a cocktail and sit back. Let's learn how we can make a positive impact in our industry. Hey, y'all, it's Bridget here. And today we're going to dive into Jonathan Pogash's journey, uncovering the inspiration that fuels his boundless creativity, exploring the influential legacy of his father, and delving into the world of the Cocktail Guru podcast, an audio adventure that quenches your thirst for knowledge while stirring your passions for exceptional libations. Whether you're an aspiring mixologist, a seasoned bartender, or someone simply who enjoys a good cocktail and the stories they tell, this episode promises to serve up a delightful blend of insights, anecdotes, and perhaps even a few shaken secrets. So sit back. Relax, grab yourself a martini and enjoy this episode. Jonathan, welcome to Served Up. I'm so excited to have you on the show.
1: Bridget, oh my gosh, you're such a great friend.
0: Oh my goodness. Well, we're going to have some fun. Um, could you share with us your journey into the world of hospitality and mixology and what drew you to this field and how did you start your career?
1: Oh my goodness. How long do we have? Um, no, really. Uh, okay. So, um, I grew up in the, in the hospitality industry because my father, Jeff, uh, who also works with me at the cocktail guru, um, has always worked in the wine business and then eventually moved on to the spirits industry. Um, and so when I, uh, told him, I told my parents that I wanted to be an actor in New York. Uh, they said you should try to get a job in a restaurant and in a bar eventually. And so, uh, my, my dad was able to introduce me to, uh, Gary Regan, um, rest his soul, uh, m- an amazing mentor of mine. And, and I took a couple of his classes he used to do in upstate New York called, uh, cocktails in the country. Uh, and that inspired me and gave me confidence to move to New York. I was auditioning for things here and there and. Uh, I got a job as a barback. That was my first job at the Russian Tea Room, uh, and I eventually moved up to be a lunchtime bartender because someone missed their shift, as that happens all the time. And then started working dinner time, and then moved on to a bunch of other places throughout there uh, throughout New York City the next eight or ten years, and worked with Albert Traumer at at Town Restaurant at the Chambers Hotel, and um, worked with Julie Reiner at Flatiron Lounge. Uh, And then started consulting on my own places that people were asking me to help out with. So uh, a group called Hospitality Holdings uh, in New York City uh, hired me to consult on six of their properties. And that's kind of when I thought, well, maybe I could make a little career out of this uh, consulting thing. And and I created the Cocktail Guru in 2006, eventually moved out of New York because um, we wanted to start a family, my wife and I. And so we moved to Southeast Massachusetts. I expanded the business. Uh, it became national. Um, and I was the, uh, I was also asked to be the editor of the Mr. Boston Bartender's Guide, 75th anniversary edition. Uh, that was in 2011. So that was a big deal. It kind of blew up. I've got amazing cocktail gurus across the country that do various consulting and events for me. And I started a podcast as well with my dad, um, two years ago during the pandemic and. And I also uh, helped start the uh, New York chapter of the U.S. Bartenders Guild. Um, Can't forget that. That was, I don't know, 2006, 2007. I was the first president. Um, And so I've been involved in that ever since as well.
0: You've had quite a career. Let's dive right in. Your podcast, The Cocktail Guru, has gained quite a following. Can you tell us really about the inspiration behind starting your podcast with your father and the themes that you that you'd like to explore?
1: Yeah, um, well, initially it was so that I could see my father more often uh, during the pandemic. Uh, you know, we, we thought, well, you know, we're separated. We can't really see each other. Let's try to do something where we can actually sit face to face. And so we came up with the, the plan, the idea. Um, we reached out to uh, a friend of ours, Philip Dobard, uh, with the um, Museum of the American Cocktail, formerly and now um, the Cocktail Collection. Um, and the Center for Culinary Culture, and they decided to produce our show. Um, and we got all the, you know, we got all the equipment, we read up on it. Um, we we decided to uh, work with a producer and an editor, uh, had all the great people because we wouldn't be able to do it ourselves. Um, <laughs> and it, it kind of took off from there. And we thought, you know, my my father and I put our heads together and we thought, well, what what's the concept? You know, what's the theme? What kind of guests? And We just thought, you know, people that we want to talk to that are in the hospitality industry or that are interested in food and drink um, uh, just for sort of um, for for the purposes of documentation and and keeping it throughout history and having these conversations somewhere um, to look back on. So we came up with some guest lists for our first season and, you know, first season we went out strong. You know, we had Steve Olson, Dale DeGroff. Julie Reiner, we had a lot of the top brass. We had some chefs, uh, Chef J.J. Johnson, um, who's an amazing chef. And then season two, we we premiered with um, Kelsey Grammer, uh, which was kind of a big deal. We That was pretty random. I know we were like, well, what does he have to do with anything? But um, he has a beer brand that he started. Uh, so we talked about that. And then um, we we've decided to end each season at Tales of the Cocktail with live recordings. And so we did that and uh, we just wrapped our um, second season starting to plan for a season three.
0: That is so wonderful. Can you share maybe a memorable moment or story from your podcasting journey that has just really stood out to you as particularly impactful or enlightening?
1: Wow. um we've had some, some funny moments. Um, actually one of the most memorable was probably being able to sit down with Kelsey Grammer, um, because we've grown up watching him. And of course he was on cheers, you know, the iconic, um, TV show about a bar. Um, and he was, I just thought to myself, wow, this is a man that has so much to say. So many stories has an amazing voice. Um, and he he bought this farm in upstate new york a few years ago and he decided to build a a brewery um and make his own beer there and um after talking to him i just thought wow i want to i i told him i said kelsey i want to go to your farm and i want to just sit around a campfire drinking your beer and hearing you talk about stories about, about what you've been through um and that was just such a such a memorable experience to to have someone like that um to speak with
0: yeah, that's really, that's super great. Um, you know, innovation is really the hallmark of the beverage industry, right? How do you stay on the cutting edge of all the cocktail trends and techniques? And how are you incorporating them into your work?
1: Yeah, um, well, I'm not behind the bar uh, actively. So it is tough to kind of stay up on on the trends that bar bars and bartenders there are so many generations of bartenders coming up through the ranks. Um, I have great people that I work with and that work for me doing events and doing various things. And I tap into their connections and into their um, experiences to find out you know, what exactly is happening these days, what ingredients are fresh and hot and new, what places to go to. So I definitely rely on them. And the USBG also helps too, because uh, they're a great resource to, to catch up on. Um all of the trends, what's going on uh, and all of that and uh, other than that, I try to get out as much as I possibly can. I mean, having a family, it's just super tough to travel and to go out and and to stay out late um, so I, I I've kind of toned it down quite a bit, but you know when I do go out I, I try to chat with people and and read uh, you know I still read industry magazines and um, I go online and I try to do as much research as i Possibly can, but uh, yeah, it is. It is an ever-changing, ever-evolving industry with um, new innovation coming all the time. Things going away, things coming back. Um, celebrities getting involved. Um, various, you know, n- new distilleries popping up all the time. Um, new cocktails. Um, so it it really is an exciting uh, industry, and that's I think what keeps me going.
0: Yeah, I I um, can relate to everything that you're saying because you know I believe like back in the day, probably when the around the time the two of us started our career, there wasn't like this thing called Google,
1: no, <laughs> like everything not. just
0: wasn't at your fingertips like it is today. And so thank goodness, you know, you can stay hip to what's happening by the click of a button.
1: Absolutely, it's insane. Yeah, back back in the early two thousands or the early aughts, is that what they say? Um, we, uh, yeah, there, there wasn't any of it and it was just good old fashioned trade magazines, um, going to places in person and, and speaking to people on the phone and, and
0: Mm -hmm. all of that.
1: Um, it's, it's evolved quite, quite a bit.
0: Yeah, it really has. Now, just because you mentioned it just a minute ago, you know, being a father, a husband, you have a successful career, you're a podcaster. And personal life can be like super demanding, right? I understand I am also a wife and a mother. How do you manage your time, Jonathan, and maintain that sense of equilibrium the best that you can?
1: I'm constantly trying to find that balance even even now you know i, I there are times i mean it, it's it goes in waves, you know, and there are times when things are way more balanced than other times other moments um with our industry, it's hard to figure out what the season is. I mean, there, there are ebbs and flows with various times of the year. Um, things might be busier during the summer, busier, you know, during the fall. Um, but overall it's, I try to, I try to exercise, you know, I've been trying to exercise more and take, you know, take care of, uh, what I, you know, what I eat a little bit more. And, and really try to be present when I am here. And it's when I'm at home and it's so hard, you know, I'm the phone that I carry with me all the time is like, it's glued to me and it's really hard for me to get away. And, and, um, you know, I have clients that reach out to me at all hours of the day and night and, you know, different time zones. Um, so, you know, if anyone out there has the secret to it, I am, Open and willing to hear it, um, but I have an amazing family, my wife is amazing um and the kids are well the kids are a handful, but you know they're, they're kids they're they're ten and twelve um and you know it's just it's just trying to find the peace and the harmony, which is it's like it's like trying to find nirvana right
0: right it totally is you know i don't believe in um balance when it comes to work life i just i just don't believe in it. I do believe in satisfaction, though, and being happy where you are in that moment, or at least very least very satisfied where you are Mm. in the moment, because as a beverage professional, we get pulled in a million different directions. And there's always going to have, you know, when you're pulled here, then over there, you know, you're not giving. So it is really hard to do. So I I totally feel you. So if any (sighs) listener has that magic recipe, please call Jonathan yeah. or myself and let us know because it is really hard.
1: Please. And, and I don't know if this happens to you, but when I get back home from a conference or from something that I've been speaking at or doing, teaching people, I've got all of this adrenaline and I've got all of this energy. And then when I come home, I'm like thrown back into it. And it's like a shock, right? It's, yeah. it's a culture shock. And, and what I found is I tried to take a day in between where either I will get I will get back from my trip and I will not go home right away and right away and I will stay by the airport um, overnight um, mm-hmm. or for a day so that I can kind of decompress a little bit and get back to reality and then go home. And hopefully I'm in a little bit of a better mindset at that point. But it's it's so hard to come down from that high.
0: Yeah, it it totally is. And I feel you. And it's so funny you say that because I When our daughter Paige was young, I used to do the same. Like when I would go to Tales of the Cocktail, I would always tag on an extra night just to stay in my hotel room and just binge watch TV, get some room service, just kind of gather myself just because, you know, you're working your ass off all week long and you're right. But all that adrenaline, when it does crash and you've expended all your energy, it's a real thing that happens. So, I love that you're taking care of yourself. you know you talked about exercise, you're trying to eat right, and you're doing all those great things, so you know really amazing for you. I do want to talk a little bit more about your dad. Your father is definitely an icon uh in the beverage world. How was it growing up with such an influential figure that you know shaped your approach to mixology and hospitality?
1: Yeah, I mean, I didn't realize. How big of a deal it was to have someone like him in my house in our household because um you know I, I would I would see him he worked long hours he he would go into New York City almost every day, take the train in and we lived in New jersey uh, and he'd come home at dinner time and you know he he was fully immersed in work in his work as well as he is even today just like me, so I see a lot of myself in him when it comes to work and work ethic um. But, you know, I had all of these, I had so many different flavors going on at home. You know, my mom is French Moroccan. So we had amazing North African kind of Jewish food. Um, And so she, I had all these, all these great flavors. And then my dad would definitely give me things to smell and to taste uh, every once in a while. So I feel like, you know, he, he he helped evolve my palate, Um, you know, mature, mature, maturate my palate. I don't know. Um, and, and so, uh, you know, it gave me a great, um, a great basis for, for taste, um, and flavors. Uh, so, so that was definitely a big thing. And then also for business, for business ethic, um, and and to see how that, and then also, uh, you know, Gary Regan also taught me about business ethic, um, and, and how to, how to respond to emails and, and things like that, because I was, starting to work for him as well during Cocktails in the Country. Um, and I was starting to pitch sponsors for him. Um, and so that that helped my business quite a bit.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. You're so lucky to have had uh, Gary Regan as a mentor. I think that's really, really cool. Yeah. You know, let's just talk a little bit because you mentioned Flavors. And, you know, for those aspiring bartenders who are out there, you know, maybe being challenged with creating their first menu, can you talk about crafting a cocktail it really as an art where we're combining flavors, bringing in the aesthetics and the experience that we're trying to give to the guests? So, you know, what is a solid creative process that you can share?
1: Yeah, I mean, the the, the creative process does Vary, uh, and it changes based on the project itself. so you know, for instance, I was working I am working on two projects on the west Coast. Uh, one is kind of this nouveau uh, mexican california Mexican restaurant, um, and then the other is an um an Italian restaurant, um kind of an upscale Italian restaurant. So um you know immediately that that helps me to figure out you know what style of drink, what style of flavor. I'm going to go for. So the number one step is to figure out. Well, what is the what is the concept? What is the theme? Um, what are you trying to get at? Um, it, are you serving food? So I always try to figure out. Um, you know, what is the chef bringing in? What ingredients can I take a look at the menu? Can I try to figure out? Will these liquid flavors pair well with these food flavors? Um, and and try to kind of kind of cross uh, those flavors together. And, and then, and then it's about the clientele. Um, you know, are you, um, a very small city where everybody is driving everywhere? Or are you a big city where everybody takes public transportation? In which case, maybe your drinks could be a little bit more higher, a little higher in alcohol because people aren't really driving home. Um, and uh, people's likes and dislikes vary so much and you're never going to find cocktails that, every a cocktail that every single person will like. So you really have to figure out, okay, I need a menu that is varied, that has a, several different types of flavors going on, different types of spirits. Um, so I try to map out my cocktail menu as a, having at least one of almost every single base spirit category, vodka, gin, rum, tequila, whiskey. And then Modify from there. So if it's a, a a Mexican concept, I might have you know more agave spirits on there. But I will also try to throw in maybe a Mexican rum cocktail, um, a vodka cocktail that might kind of please the masses. Um, maybe a, a, a whiskey cocktail. And then for the Italian concept, you know, apérol spritzes. Let's do an apérol spritz menu. It's the easiest drink to make in the entire world. Kind of fail proof, but you know it can be messed up. Um, and espresso martinis, perfect. It's like huge these days. Margaritas for the, you know, Mexican place. Um, and then basically right from there, you've got your, your map. Um, and you can then kind of figure out, okay, well, now, well, now what about the trends, right? What are we seeing trend wise? What ingredients? What herbs? What flavors? What um, seasonality? Is this a location that has seasons? Um, or no? Uh, Is it the Northeast where you have distinct four distinct seasons or is it um, Florida or Arizona where it it can get a little mushy there? Um, So, yeah, those are those are kind of the basic concepts behind mapping out your cocktail menu.
0: That is some really, really good advice, because I think a lot of folks think that we just pull it out of the air when there's so much thought and care when you're crafting a cocktail menu, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, AI cannot generate
0: and a no, cocktail it can't. menu. <laughs> no, it cannot. Thank you very much. Yeah. You know, Looking back on your journey, what accomplishments are you most proud of and really like how have they contributed to your ongoing commitment to the beverage world?
1: Um, so I'm definitely proud of the fact that the Mr. Boston people asked me to do their um, newest edition uh, in 2011, and the Mr. Boston Bartender's Guide. I have it right behind me. It's this red hardback, iconic book that is almost behind that is behind almost every single bar and restaurant in the world. Um, and they asked me to revise it. Uh, it had been revised earlier by Jim Meehan and Anthony Giglio, uh, and so they handed the reins over to me. And it was the, it's the last edition ever to be in print. Uh, it's, it's all, you know, it's all digitized, um, and which is great. And it's a beautiful website that they have, uh, but it was a huge honor, you know, I mean, this is the book that I learned off of, um, and, uh, yeah, that, that, that was a great accomplishment. And then also getting the, the, the New York chapter of the USBG off the ground, um, felt, you know, really, really good, you know, and, and Bridget, you were an amazing inspiration throughout all of that, because, uh You know the Chicago chapter that you started was the impetus and and the blueprint for for New York and many other chapters uh, across the country, so that was that was huge
0: Can we just talk about the time you know what i 'm going to say when I brought the bartenders from Chicago and you put on the most bad ass, wonderful, warming my heart from i don 't know my toes to the tips of my head <laughs> event It was amazing. Can we talk about that and what you pulled off? Because I remember walking in when you said, I'm going to throw a prom, an 80s yeah. style prom. I'm like, OK, cool, dude. It was an 80s style prom. Can you tell everyone what we did back in the day? Because it was amazing.
1: Oh, my gosh. What a memorable night. Um, yes. Yeah, so it, it took a uh, quite a bit of planning. I mean, first of all, you know, we, you and I coordinated to try to get you all over here um, and and to get as many chapter members to, to fly for this event. We, we had this like old gymnasium that we rented out in, in Brooklyn, I think it was. Uh, and we had a photographer with like a cheesy eighties background, um, to take, you know, prom photos, every, every single attendee dressed in their like best eighties gear, you know, nobody half-assed it. Everyone was like in it to win it. It was like amazing. We had a band, we had a karaoke band. I think it was,
0: (laughs) It was live karaoke, You're
1: right? That's what it was—live karaoke. Um, and you know, we had we had uh, liquor brands, beverage brands uh, with different stations uh, across the room, and that was uh, that allowed us to, you know, fund uh, the event and make it uh, free for everybody who attended and to have good food. Uh, I don't, I think we had food. We had uh, like a. Oh, we had Crift dogs, I think. You
0: did. Oh my
1: gosh, how did we get Crift dogs, man? Oh man, That's what I'm saying what a...
0: it was amazing.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know how we did it. I know I know that um uh, our crew uh, of, of USBG chapter members and and board members we we really uh, worked well together. We were in sync. Um, I remember uh, our good pal Abigail Golo helped quite a bit. I think she helped secure the band and and the space, and she was really uh, into it as well. Um, And it was, yeah, it was what a time.
0: It was just one of just a delight. It was just amazing. And then the next day we all volunteered together at God's Love We Deliver, which was a beautiful thing to all come together and um, do something wonderful for the New York community.
1: That's right. Yeah, that was a that was a great time, you know, preparing food, preparing food boxes to deliver out to, to homeless people. So, yeah,
0: yeah, it was really great. What do you envision the future for the cocktail guru, Jonathan?
1: Yeah, well, um, so I'm, I've always been, uh, I guess what you would call a hustler. <laughs> um, so I'm always trying to figure out, you know, what is, what is next? What can I keep doing? What um, isn't really happening anymore? What can take its place? So, you know, during the pandemic, virtual events were huge, as you could probably mm-hmm. attest to. And our business at the Cocktail Guru grew by three hundred percent. Wow! It was bonkers, um, and and so that that sustained us. Um, Crazy three
0: hundred percent.
1: Three hundred percent. Wow. Yeah, um, I had a dozen or so bartenders that I kept working during the pandemic, very consistently doing doing these virtual events for me, and we started partnering with companies that could send out box kits, um, and and so it was a wonderful time you know for that for that aspect of of my life um and now everything has kind of um gone back for the most part to how it was before um are there virtual events still happening yes yes every every once in a while there's something that mm-hmm. comes up but it's definitely not like it was in let's say december 2021 and december 2020 where we were doing mm-hmm. 12 Virtual events a day, yeah. twelve I'm virtual dead. mixology classes every day.
0: insane wow, that is so crazy. um Are you up for a lightning round?
1: Okay. okay. I, 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 yes, sure. Why not?
0: All right, let's do it. Okay, I'm just going to ask you about ten questions. Nothing okay. is tricky here, I promise. Okay. Early bird or night owl?
1: Uh, early bird.
0: Awesome. Favorite cocktail ingredient that you can't live without? Escal. Ooh, that's a good one. Beach vacation or mountain retreat?
1: Beach vacation.
0: Mm, if you could have a drink with anyone, living or not, historical or not, who would it be?
1: Um, John Lennon.
0: Ooh, that's a good one. It's a really good one. Do you like to shake or stir? Shake. And are you a fan of sweet or savory cocktails?
1: I think I have more of a sweet tooth
0: what is your favorite drink to enjoy on a cozy night in
1: a cozy night in? Um, I would have to say a Negroni.
0: Ooh, good one. One bartending trend that you are excited about that's happening right now. Hmm. Wow.
1: Um, not AI, uh, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I would say, I mean, you know, the, the, the no and low scene has been going on for many, many years and there's, there's a lot that's out there now. Um, but I think that there's still, um, you know, there's still room, uh, for good quality, no alcohol products, um, maybe good quality, um, better quality, RTDs, canned cocktails, can uh, bottled cocktails um, and large format cocktails in a bottle could could possibly be up there as well.
0: Yeah, that's good answers. What is the most annoying bartending trend happening right now?
1: Oh god i I mean, it's been happening for a while, and I cannot believe it's still happening, but activated charcoal.
0: I know. Um, what is up with that, man? What is,
1: I just saw someone I just saw something on it, like another one. And I it, it ended for a little while. And I was like, great, good. It's done. But now someone else did something. And I'm like, no, thanks. <laughs> no,
0: <laughs> that's a hard no. test for me, too. What is your favorite guilty pleasure drink? Uh, it's a mudslide.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's a good one. Um, I, I would have to say a pina colada with a with a rum float.
0: Ooh, that's a good one and finally your go-to karaoke song
1: uh, uh oh man i guess i guess it would be journey don't stop believing
0: oh that, that is a really good one yeah Well, jonathan i just want to thank you so much for being unserved up today i know you're such a busy guy and for sharing your story with our listeners and i want to just Well, you know, just um, wish you some great health and a lot of peace, brother.
1: Oh, thank you. You too. You too, Bridget.
0: Thanks for listening. Served Up is brought to you by Southern Glazers Wine and Spirits, produced by Zunu.online. Music by We Kill the Lion can be found on Spotify make sure to subscribe to be notified of future Served Up episodes. Cheers!